All right, everybody, welcome in to a special edition of the Canes Insight Podcast presented by Canes, where we're back in the studio today. Uh, I know we've been doing some some Zoom uh, podcasts the last few weeks, but had to get back in studio for the, you know, it's not the full culmination, it's still only early signing day, but it's really the, the you know, the bow at the end of the class for Mario Cristobal's first full class uh, at the University of Miami, and, you know, everyone knows it's kind of what he was brought here to do, so D-Money, you know, we'll get into position by position, player by player, you know, some info about each guy, but overall thoughts on on today, obviously there's the big uh, elephant in the room that, you know, you'll you'll mention here shortly in, in terms of Cormani McLean, uh, figuring out what he's going to do, um, but much of what we expected today in terms of Everyone who was supposed to sign, signed, and, uh, you know, still not the end, right? But it doesn't, doesn't look like there's going to be any crazy surprises at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's an awesome day. I've been loving this day even when we were getting crappy classes, you know, just the excitement of people signing. Uh, it's my favorite day of the year. Uh, we're back in the studio. You got a house now. I've been making fun of you for living at home for years. Now I can't do that anymore, so we're moving on up. And Cristobal brought in a top five class, you know, the elephant in the room, people listen to this podcast, Cormani McLean, number two overall player in the country, has not signed his letter of intent yet. Um, you know, with respect to that situation, we'll do a reaction pod when that situation ultimately completes. All I'll say at this point is I have a lot of confidence in, in Mario Cristobal to bring it home. But, you know, focusing on the guys that signed, this is a top five class. And really what jumps out on top of just the, the rating of it, the fact you're getting highly recruited guys is the overall size at every single position. The length, the body types, it is there across the board from quarterback to running back to offensive line to defensive line, linebacker, you know, you name it. They got some big dudes who are going to be molded into some really impressive-looking Miami Hurricanes. So I think we'll just start there talking about the big dudes, right? Um, Mario Cristobal, Alex Mirabal, two of the top offensive line recruiters and developers in the country, and they've got some good ones to work with. For Miami to sign two of the top three, arguably the top two offensive linemen in the country, it's incredible and unusual. Miami does not sign offensive linemen like this, and that's something that when Cristobal got hired, you know, what jumped out to me was our biggest weakness is signing blue-chip offensive linemen at Miami as a program just overall, even when we're doing good. And this guy is the best offensive line recruiter in the country, along with Mirabal. So his strength fits our weakness. So now you potentially are building the best offensive line in the country by landing these blue chip guys that would otherwise go to Alabama or you know Georgia or Oklahoma. So now you're building that offensive line. And you know something I said in my preseason pod, which you know that's that there's a lot of fun in that pod and hype. But one thing that's very true is I've only seen Miami have an elite offensive line once in my life. They usually win in spite of their offensive line, even when they're right. good. But that 2001 team was an elite offensive line, and it was the best team in college football history. So Miami has an offensive line with first-rounders on it. It's going to be very, very hard for them not to succeed, not to win at a high level. So, you know, you talk about Francis Mauagoa, number one overall tackle in the country, Samson Okalola, number three. Again, some people have those flipped. I bet if you go to, to Hecht, they'll have different rankings. And then, you know, down the line, 
uh, Tommy Kinsler, who's bigger than both of those guys, Frankie Tinelau, who we've had in studio, um, Antonio Tripp. Uh, that's a big the thing that's exciting, I think, about the class, right? Is yes, you get you get the five stars, but the developmental uh, type guys that you're getting. I don't want to say at the you know the bottom of, of the class, but in terms of what they're ranked at, yeah, that's that's what what it's looking at. But with with these guys, uh, in terms of Mirabal and Cristobal being able to get their hands on them and and develop them, it, that's uh, that's a very exciting thing if you're a Canes fan. Absolutely. I mean, you see Inez Cooper. He he's a guy who's it's he was kind of in that mold last year, and you were talking about him all year long. I know we're, we're excited to see what he does moving forward, but I think some of these guys are kind of in that mold. If you look at Oregon's offensive line this year, which arguably was the best in the country, there were a lot of three stars on that line that Cristobal and Mirabal identified and developed along with their five stars. So these guys know what they're doing, and you know Tommy Kinsler in particular. On offense, if you ask me who's the guy that their ranking does not match their talent, to me, Tommy Kinsler, this is a guy that Florida wanted. He's in Ocala. He's in Gator country. Had a Gator coach. Um, so the local people wanted him. They knew how good he was. He, in in spring, he visited with Maugoa and with Tinalau, who are huge. And he was clearly bigger than both of those guys. Right. And with a good body. I mean, not a lot of fat. You know, well-proportioned. Exactly how he wanted to look. Played offense play defense, can bend, uh, you know, can can roll through his hips. He's someone that he's he's not a goof in any respect. They're, they're posting videos of him at, at the youth level running for touchdowns. So I had no idea how that guy's a three-star. Maybe he could be a little nastier. That's probably the only knock you could say is you want to bury people more. But the film is good, and the talent's otherworldly. So a guy like that, Frankie Tinala, who, who we had I, in I was, studio. I was just at his, I was at his signing day event today at LaSalle, and – I, I looked at him. I said, "Man, you look you look a lot more, uh, I guess, chiseled up than when when I saw you when when you came to do the show." He said he's about three hundred pounds now, and when he first came here, I think he said he was around three twenty five, three twenty, right? So some of that baby fat, and this is without him having stepped foot in the weight room and program at Miami, which he still has to wait a bit. He's not going to be a guy who enrolls now in January, but man, I mean that. He's the type of kid that 100%. If you know he had his injury this year and all that, but I feel like he would have gotten that 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 fourth star bump pretty easily if it played out uh, the rest of the year. So yeah, and it, but when he was doing the camps, he was still raw. Right. Uh, Chris, uh, Cristobal was talking about his press conference, talked about Frankie a lot, uh, unprompted, and he mentioned that Mirabal offered him basically off just his movement drills and and the way he looked. And I'm telling you, that's with him. Again, he had a, he still has some some baby fat on him, but it's he he looks way different now than when we saw him a few months ago uh, in here. So the progress has been quick, and I mean, again, it just goes to show you this is the first time he's really had access to a lot of these resources when it comes to to football. It, it, he's gonna he's gonna be a guy that continues to to skyrocket. Yeah, and you know he has film now. Right. So you're talking about the physical stuff. We saw him at LaSalle, not the greatest competition in the world, but they played some good teams, some good players. And you saw the explosiveness. You saw the ability to knock people back, the movement, learning the game. But then really jumped out to me was the nastiness. Well, I mean, that's the biggest thing he told me. Sorry to yeah, jump please. in, but he said the biggest adjustment for him was harnessing that aggression, right? He's a rugby guy. He was playing in basically in, in American football leagues with his with his dad, as he said on the show. So he was playing against grown men. 
he had to learn how to, because that's one of the biggest things as an offensive lineman, you, these young offensive linemen have to learn is sometimes you have to let the defensive lineman come to you as opposed to, you know, getting too, get, getting too aggressive. So that's something that Frankie said was, was probably his biggest, which if you see in his first couple of games, he had some penalties, um, you know, he had some holding calls that a lot of it, you know, was just because he was manhandling the opponent, uh, you know, that he was blocking, but man, that learning curve, like, like you said, the physical side is one part of it, but once he continues to get the technique and just the overall mental side of the game down, um, it's, it's going to be very exciting to see what he can become. And that's what you want. You want to calm guys down. You know, you don't want right. to have to push guys to be aggressive. It's definitely in him. It's in him for sure. Samson. I mean, we talked about him a lot, so I'm not going to go into too much because when he committed, we broke him down a lot, but you know, his ability to and willingness to dominate a fear of competition instead of playing with his food. I mean, he buried guys. And what was interesting with Samson is I saw a picture of him when they, they posted youth pictures of these kids um, when they signed, That was which I thought was a cool touch, showing them playing football growing up and, and how they became mm. Canes. Um, with Samson, he was heavy. You know, he lost weight to get the body he has now. So that tells you he already has that discipline. He already has that approach. He's already conquered that hurdle. You've seen guys like that in the NFL draft, first-round picks, that they had weight and they lost it and they kept it off because they already, they got through that part. So right. Samson's got you. That would jump out at me. And then Francis Malagoa, number one, again, number one tackle in the country. There's a guy 6'5", 330, Cristobal said in the press conference. Um, he His athletic testing numbers are ahead of Panay Sewell at the same age, who he's compared to a lot, obviously. And, I mean, 6'5", 330, I seen the guy. The guy's got a stomach like Janet Jackson. You know what I mean? Like he's no gut whatsoever. He's just heavy, um, and he's mean, aggressive. IMG says the guy really cares about football. Uh, is the leader? Is a tone setter. So when the intangibles, the tangibles, and then the developmental infrastructure, which has been proven with Cristobal Mirabal, because you see Oregon's offensive line, you see Sewell and the pros. I mean, you don't have to guess what will happen when they have the ingredients. Now they got the ingredients. And one guy I want to mention too, Antonio Tripp. He's not as talented as these guys. Not as big. More, I think he was he was kind of initially a center. Then they said, "Well, we're going to get Connor Lou. We'll put him at guard. He'll be an undersized guard." I know you were excited about Lou. So yeah, Lou's a big loss, no question, because as a pure center. But now Tripp has an opportunity to slide back, perhaps into that center spot, which suits him better at his height. And he reminds me of Khalil Brantley. Different position, obviously. Khalil Brantley, the tight end from Northwestern, who's on the Canes now. Well, you know well. In that undersized first position, tough, you know, good player, but not your prototypical measurables. And he probably, you know, one of the things that really allowed him to get his place in the class was being the recruiter. Right. Right. But then when they get here with Khalil, it's not, okay, this guy was just the best recruiter in our class. He can also play. And with the toughness and the passion for being a hurricane, he molded himself into you somebody. Find, you find your way on, on the field one way or another. He's scoring touchdowns against Clemson. He's knocking people out as a, uh, as a blocker. He's helping the team, and he's going to help us going forward. So I think with Tripp, I see that similarity with him, surrounded by these just total prototypical giants next to him. That is the story of this class, hands down. Two five-stars, three three-stars, that does not tell the story of this class. These are guys that big programs wanted. Kinsler, you mentioned Frankie. I mean, how many teams are coming after Frankie? You're involved yeah, there. Yeah, no, a lot, a lot. I mean, from what I heard, a lot of, a lot of teams were – a lot of schools were, were trying to come after him late, and obviously he was, he was very uh, 
you know, stuck on his commitment to Miami, right? He never really wavered. Um, Miami was the first big school to offer him. But again, after that, after I think his, his tape started to, to make the rounds, there was something for them to see, right? Because like you said, at least Mirrorball was able to see him up close, right? But it, it was hard for a lot of these other schools to gauge. His recruitment would have would have been way more. Uh, I don't want to say wild. I think he still would have stuck with Miami one way or another, right? Because there were some big schools coming after him. I think like Penn State, Auburn uh, tried coming in late. Louisville as Oregon, well. Right. Oregon, right? So these were all. Florida was still uh, trying to kick the tires on on it as well. So um, it would have been interesting to see. You know, again, what would have happened in terms of the rankings and all that stuff if he was able to play out his season? Um, I know he got hurt kind of early on, but um, yeah, great, great class in the trenches for Miami. Looking at the quarterback position, right? Um, it, it was a roller coaster uh, in terms of the rec- the uh, recruiting cycle at that position, right? Obviously, Jaden Rashada ends up signing with Florida today. We've, you know been we've known that that you know he's been gone from the class for for months now but emery will emery williams is a guy who you know he, he came in as what everyone thought would be the second quarterback of the class gets thrust into into a situation now where he's he's the guy right and obviously we don't know what's going to happen transfer portal wise but as of now it doesn't look like miami's bringing in any any quarterback so uh he he would be the lone guy right now yeah and emery williams look I'll be honest, I am very much about the athletic dynamic quarterback in 2022, the multi-sport guy who becomes a passer as opposed to the polished old-school drop-back passer. That's more my preference in the pros and also in college. Emory Williams is very much a throwback. He's an old-school pocket passer. However, within that mold, he checks all the boxes. So 6'4", legit. You know, verified height, which is important, still very important. Big legs. Look at him. He's got big, muscular legs. He's someone who's sturdy. He's not going to be a skinny guy that needs to put a ton of weight on. He's still skinny in the upper body, but he's sturdy with his legs. Um, Mechanically sound. He's been trained by some of the best quarterback coaches in the South. So when you watch him, he's got the footwork in the pocket. He's got the mechanics. He is very much a polished passer and a developed passer, even though he's not from a big school necessarily. Uh, good arm, accurate arm. Um, again, the, the pocket footwork really jumps out. Not a mobile athletic guy, but someone with feet in the pocket. And four-point-something student, smart, all of those things. The question with him is, and I know my, there's people in Miami that absolutely love this guy that preferred him to Rashada. And, I, and they told me that when Rashada was still in the class. Okay, now the story with him is going to be, he played on a team where he was bigger than some of the offensive linemen. He was just so much better than his team, and the team was not very good. So how is he going to look when you put him, who's very much an on-time, you know, I don't want to say system game manager, but he's someone that does things right. Like right. He, he ex- He's not outside the offense. He executes the offense. I mean that in a positive way. So when you surround him with players that are better than him or as good as him, is he going to elevate that much more? Or is, or is he what he is? Right. That, to me, is what's going to be interesting with Emory Williams because right now it's hard to get a clear view of him because he's someone who's a pocket, you know, fundamentally sound, run the offense passer, and he's on a team that probably needed him to be more of like a run around, make play guy. How will he look with better players? But I think 
size-wise, uh, polish-wise, attitude-wise, a lot, of, a lot to like with Emory Williams. He's got some nice uh, talent coming in around him as well on the offensive side of the ball. And some guys that you would expect to be uh, early difference makers or at least in, you know, definitely in a position um, to, to have a role next year. Starting at the, at the running back spot, you know, Mark Fletcher, the, the recent commitment. Chris Johnson, also a recent commitment, but obviously Fletcher, you know, just a few days ago. Gives you your your classic South Florida, you know, all South Florida running back class, right? And each of them brings something different to the table. Yeah, two, in in the in the most elite way possible. Right, the true thunder yeah. and lightning. Um, Mark Fletcher, I've been saying this since he was committed to Ohio State, since he was a, so, a sophomore. I am a huge Mark Fletcher fan. I just like what he brings to the table. His size. We talked about size in this class. Emory Williams, the offensive line. We talked about. Mark Fletcher's size, if you have not seen him in person, it's hard to explain how big the guy is because he's young. He's like a young face looking guy. He's not like a, you know, bodybuilder that's just bulked up to his max. He's just a naturally big dude, long arms, 6'2". He'll, he'll be 230 easy, and um, he plays to his size. He's not like a Thad Franklin that goes I was, down. And I was just going to ask you. I think a lot of Canes fans will we'll say, well, we heard that Thad Franklin was the big bruising back, right? And it didn't turn out to be the case. What is, what's, and listen, Thad is going to, I think, uh, uh, ULM, right? right? So, you know, he'll have an opportunity to, to kind of reshape his career down there. But what do you see in Fletcher that it's not just the size, right? And, and his, his sheer strength, but from a mentality standpoint, where is he different than, you know, just the next guy? Yeah, and look, I was a Thad Franklin fan coming out. The guy's a very talented runner. What happened, he's very smooth. He's a basketball player. What happened to Thad was, and this was really the, the knock on him from the moment he arrived for workouts, is he didn't show a love for football. And you saw it in his body. You saw it in the way he played at times. Mark Fletcher, when he's on the field, you feel his presence, not just because of his running talent. He's knocking guys out. You saw him against Central. He's throwing guys off him. He plays with a tremendous amount of uh, passion and physicality, and he works that way. Very smart guy. You know, he, he doesn't see himself as a basketball player. He sees himself, himself as an ass-kicking football player. Um, could easily be a linebacker. And if he played linebacker, he would be one of the top linebackers in this class. No question about it. He played some linebacker for American Heritage. Um, so... He's a guy that, running-wise, is he Cedric Baxter or Dalvin Cook or Adrian Peterson? I would say no, he's not that. There's some stiffness, just not as dynamic as those guys, special as a runner. But when you combine the fact this guy can also block, he blocks, I've seen him lead block for his quarterback and knock people out. I've seen him pass block. He's smart. He knows what to do. He catches the ball with his hands and gets upfield. You can do a lot of things with him because there's not many guys that have that combination of size, IQ, hands, um, and, and just football awareness that he brings to the table. So Mark Fletcher to me is someone who should never really leave the field. He should be on your spe all your special teams units, and he should be on passing downs because he's such a great pass blocker. It's like having a six offensive lineman or another tight end, and he could also catch. And if you don't respect the run, he will pound you and, and really make you feel small if you're not loaded up, you know, to stop someone like him. So he brings a lot of options. Um, really like his game, and I think it's a huge, huge addition to this class. Uh, Chris Johnson from Dillard. 
one of the fastest players in the country. When he committed, we broke him down in detail. But basically, if you liked Chris Johnson Sr., you'll like Chris Johnson Jr. No relation, but it might as well be with the way they play. If he can focus in the weight room and hone in like Chris Johnson from the Titans did, this is a guy that can be very, very dynamic because he's a true runner. He's not a track star. He's a runner who sinks his hips, can move. You know, Miami was after Kyron Jones, who went to ultimately went to Georgia as a defensive back. We were recruiting him as a running back. He was a little stiff. He was a true track star from North Carolina. When you look at Johnson, he's a running back that happens to be fast enough to be an elite track guy. 10-4, you know, 20.7 in the 200 meters, insane times. He'll run track in Miami. Uh, impact player, give you what you lost with Rooster, and I think he'll have a role right away because he's tough. So at the receiver spot, obviously, you know, the Canes are still going to be looking probably in the portal big time over the next few months. But you bring in a couple guys who they aren't the biggest, but they have a lot of dynamic ability. I saw Robbie Washington three or four times this year for Palmetto. And, you know, everyone's going to talk about the speed, but the quicks and the toughness He's a guy who's not afraid to to go across the middle. He'll get right up. He'll get in his. He's one of those guys who's going to be. Um, it, it reminds me a little bit of Stefan Diggs, where they're really going back and forth with with the with the defensive backs all game long, jawing. But it's an intimidating factor that that he brings. Right again, not the it's it's not the physical stature, but you see it's with Tyreek Hill. You know, also obviously he has he he imposes the the speed. Right, that's what scares um, you know a lot of the defenders. But you can just see in the demeanor, right? And that's with Robbie Washington having seen him in person, right? He's a guy who can impact special teams right away in, in the return game. Um, but that's from what I saw from him. And uh, Nathaniel Joseph, another guy who has some elite, elite speed. Yeah, that's a great comparison with Stefan Diggs as far as the attitude. I, I saw Robbie at the uh, at the Immortals tryouts, and he just. I mean, he's kind of like a bully. I, yeah. I mean that in the nicest way. You know, he's he's assertive, which is what Miami's lacked at the receiver position. Um, with Ray Ray Joseph out of Edison, what I like about him is IQ. I mean, this is a guy who's a four-point-plus student. Um, football smart, but also just you know he's going to take care of his business. Uh, one of the best, probably the best punt returner in, in South Florida the last three years. Um, kick returner as well. He's someone who came up as a running back at the youth levels. So he has surprising balance and, and, and contact balance for a smaller guy. And then he has the speed to break it. And he just has those, inst- those playmaking instincts, almost like a Duke Johnson, where it's just like they will get to the end zone. He might not run a 4-4, but he's getting in the end zone like Duke did. And I just watch his highlights from sophomore, junior, senior year. It's, he's got probably the best highlight reel in this class overall. Uh, in terms of just touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. And the IQ gives him that floor, that high floor where he will maximize his ability because he's so smart and he's so disciplined um, and a leader of this class. With him and Robbie, both of them, again, have that running back background. So I think they're going to help right away in terms of get the ball to them fast, make someone miss, and make plays also in the return game. I think those two areas are where they're going to thrive immediately. They'll have to develop as receivers because, you know, they don't have the length of others. And both guys who are going to need time in the weight room to really develop um, and get where they need to be, but they have the ability to be day one impact guys. And they're strong. I mean, they shed tackles. Like yeah. They're not like Roscoe Parrish types. You know, they're, they're running backs. They, but you're right. They will get stronger to help them play that game at the college level. But very similar to Burchard Smith in a lot of ways. So it's going to be interesting how they use all of those guys to their best uh, ability, given that they bring similar skill sets and a skill set that's needed, the ability to make those explosive plays, right. which Miami has just been lacking totally. 
you mentioned exciting highlight tape in, in Nathaniel Joseph, but you look at the tight end spot, Riley Williams was one of the more entertaining ones uh, that I watched from this class. He looks like he could he could be a future pro. Yeah. And- I mean, listen, Mario and these guys are recruiting a, a roster full of players who look like future pros in terms of the guys coming in in the recruiting class. But, man, this one, he really jumps out at you. Yeah, Riley Williams out of Portland, then transferred to ING in Bradenton, Florida. Uh, you know, 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. He'll be 240. He's kind of built like Mallory, really, in terms of just looking the part. Um, maybe a little heavier than Mallory as his projection, but super athletic. Uh, that you mentioned his junior highlights. He was he almost had a thousand yards as a tight end in, in Oregon, which you know you don't see that kind of high school production even from five star tight ends. Right. Um, and he's someone, even though he's a top 100, I think he's like ranked like 103rd in the country. You don't overall. hear much about him. Or it's relatively a quiet situation. Very quiet. And this is a guy that we beat. You know, the his finalists were Miami, Alabama, Ohio State. You know, that's this is what we're talking about here. This yeah. is where we're shopping. This is a guy he can catch. He has the body. Um, he has the speed. He can run after the catch. Probably the most complete receiving tight end. Miami's landed, I don't know. It's, I'm looking at a picture of your guy, Njoku, who should be a pro bowler this year. Um, you know, He was more raw coming out. It's hard to think of a more complete tight end because this guy's been trained at IMG. He's a pretty developed receiver. I think he's going to come right away, come in spring, and, uh, and make a roll. I mean, you look, compare him to Skinner. Skinner was a little more raw. He was more just kind of like, a unique player with his stride length worked. His hands weren't all the way there. I think Riley Williams is coming in very, very polished, kind of like a Mallory, but I think mm. going to be more physically ready to compete uh, as, as a young player than Mallory was Jackson Carver. He's a guy who, you know, I know he had the injury this year and it was supposed to be his, his breakout year, so to speak, multi-sport guy has definitely has, has the frame, right? Um, but again, not much film out there on him. What are you expecting out of him? Well, one thing I do is I like to go back and study. When I see the first round or second round of the draft, I go watch huddles of those guys when they were coming out, study their profiles, kind of see, all right, why were these three-star guys becoming NFL guys? What do they have in common? What traits do they have? Height, 100% is, is, is one because you're not going to get taller. So Jackson Carver, 6'6", legit. Maybe, I mean, he's pushing 6'7", with super long arms, big hands, wide frame. The frame is perfect, so major check there. Could not be better. And then you say, all right, some of these guys are multi-sport guys that maybe they didn't flourish in football at that age because they were focused on so many other things. But then when they hone in on football at the college level, they blow up. This is a guy who played hockey. He played lacrosse, had a Notre Dame offer for lacrosse, which is big time. Um, I think Mike Badgley had that too. Oh yeah. Day, yeah. He's, he's still kicking, kicking oh. field goals on, on Sunday, uh, track athlete. I think he played basketball as well for, uh, Carver did, uh, originally from Minnesota. So all of that checks out as well. And then, you know, I know he's being recruited as a tight end and people inside the building are very excited about his potential tight end. I love his defensive highlights. I thought his defensive highlights were outstanding and well, you can still bring that mentality to the, to the offensive side of the ball, especially, you know, he, he's, he's, He's probably going to be asked to do a lot of blocking early on, at least. And he's a foot, he's a hockey player, so he's yeah. used to the, the physicality. But if you just, I'm thinking about on defense, and I'm not, look, I'm not comparing him to this guy. He's not this guy. Okay. <laughs> Get it out of your head. It's not, he's not this guy. But if you look at JJ Watt's background, JJ Watt was a tight end slash defensive end. He had the exact same body with the long arms, big hands, kind of like a gorilla, you know? 
Um, and he switched to the defensive side, filled out his frame, and became what he became. Now, that is, there's a probably a point zero 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 one percent chance of that happening here. But the mold, the blueprint, would be there for a Jackson Carver if he wanted to switch to the, uh, the defensive side of the ball. But he's someone, he's three-star, not a lot of films. He got hurt as a senior but, and, and switched sports earlier in his career. But he's somebody that a lot of big schools were after. You know, he's a sleeper. These guys are, might be sleepers, like a Tinelau might be a sleeper, a Kinsler, a Carver. But these are not guys that don't have big offers. Almost right. pretty much all these guys have huge offers. In fact, I think all of them have huge offers. Um, so it's not like Al Golden getting a, a Joe Brown or a Junior Alexis up, you know, at the last second and they, you're beating out nobody for right. him. The sleepers in this class are huge bodied athletic guys that had major college P5 offers. Right. It's December. Mario Cristobal is out there recruiting, trying to put some presents under the Canes fans' trees. But if you want to really make Canes fans happy on Christmas, Caneswear and Caneswear.com. They got everything you want in terms of apparel, hats, jerseys. They even have Christmas ornaments. Want to decorate your tree this weekend? Head down to Canesware or order online at Canesware.com. You get your stuff. Make a, the tree looking great. Canes, colors, all different kinds of things. Miami Dolphins gear. You want to support a winning program uh, for this season? They got all those kind of jerseys. You're talking about hats. Um, just unique items, you know, pictures. Uh, I got a really cool picture of the Orange Bowl there. Just different kind of things that you can get at Canesware. It's really a, a heaven for a South Florida sports fan. Inner Miami, if you're into the soccer, catching the soccer bug with the World Cup, they got that gear. Um, you know, you'll end up spending a lot, but you'll get a lot because the prices are very affordable and uh, you're just going to want to keep adding on because you're going to see stuff that you're not seeing anywhere else. Caneswear and Caneswear.com, the best in the business for South Florida sports. So you flip over to the other side of the ball. To me, the most exciting part of this class, other than the offensive line, is the pass rushers. And again, you know, you get the you get the Reuben Bain, who is you know the the Dade County is he the Dade County all time sack leader now yeah, at this point? Yeah, so, be. he has to. So be. he has to be that. So in terms of production, getting a, a guy who is a you know a big name locally, right? You you just have to get those guys, right? That you can't you can't have them you know leaving leaving town, um, and then you add some big time body types in uh, in Collins. And then you you got uh, Jaden Wayne as well. I mean, you got to be excited about about what they're bringing in there. Because if we're being honest, that the that's gonna got to be a position for Miami that over the next next season has to be better. Yeah, Miami's been good at defensive end. That's been the consistent good thing that Miami's had probably since 2016, where they've been. Among but you the- need a you need elite at that position if you want to be a top five. Uh, team right now oh no question and you got to keep it going you know you got to constantly refresh you lose some talent there you lose a Mitchell Laguda you got to replace guys um but with you know it's funny they all different body types so Bain we talked about a lot when he committed uh, on a recent podcast James Houston had another sack and you know since we did that podcast right so you can that was your comparison which I thought about when I saw James Houston getting that sack for Detroit Lions uh Ruben Bay from Miami Central body type not gonna blow you away six two but long arms 
great change of direction, uh, just great bend, has can string the moves together, can finish once he gets to the quarterback. Obviously, Dade County's all-time sack leader, um, and someone with the lower body strength to play a little stronger than he might look. So he's a special player, even without the, the body type, but I think he's going to get on the field right away, similar to a Mesador where he's playing over the guard, he's playing defensive end, he's playing all over, you can stand him up, he can do a lot. You want him on the field rushing the passer. Now, Jaden Wayne, total opposite body. He's exactly how you draw it up. Mm-hmm. You know, 6'5", 6'4", 6'5". the Brian Burns body type. Right. And if I were to compare him to Brian Burns, he has a little more stoutness. You know, it's, I thought, when I saw him, because he was a wide receiver uh, when he was in, in Washington before he transferred to IMG, similar to Riley Williams. He's a long, athletic guy from the Pacific Northwest, relationship with Crystal Ball, then transfers to, the, to IMG. I kind of expected him to be just a finesse pass rushing type of guy because he was a wide receiver. But then you watch him at ING, and his strength is actually his run defense. He is very, very stout, very physical, plays hard, hard to move, and and is really a quite an impressive run-stopping defensive end. He has traits he he you know can test out of this world, but I wouldn't call him a pure pass rusher. I'd say the weakness of his game, I don't think he's going to be that 10, 12 sack guy, but I think he's going to be a guy that kind of like how Georgia and other SEC schools have had. He's got the body, he's explosive, and he can he can hold the point and he can get off blocks. You know, Chance Williams is a guy that's that's maybe not a pass rusher that's got size and speed. And if I compared the two, you know, people would be like, why are you comparing to somebody who doesn't really play? The difference between Chance and Wayne is that Wayne can bend his knees and get into blockers and get off of them uh, in a way that Chance has struggled with. But I think you combine that with the size, the speed, the play hard aspect, the work hard aspect. He's been working with a private pass rush coach for a while, um, went to IMG from across the country, wants to be good. Very, very safe player, Jaden Wayne, and a good compliment to someone like Bain who lives to get after the passer. Now, the third guy on that list, uh, Colin Akiapong, who's originally from Ghana, uh, went to California, originally committed to Michigan. Mine was able to steal him back. He reminds me of Greg Rousseau. Six foot seven, legit. Six foot ten wingspan, 10 inch hands. Um, I think he's already like 268. I, mean, I was going to say he's way bigger than what Rousseau was at that, at that point. Right, he's heavier. He's heavier. You might want to keep him light because you, I, I like him on the edge. You don't want him to get – he maybe grows into like an Eric Armstead type where he's a big, big kind of long if guy. If he's already that size, there's probably a good chance he does. And he's got the big legs. Um, but this guy's another high GPA guy, which I'm always – in. you know, people are like, oh, it's book smarts. If you have a 4.0 plus GPA on top of the stuff you're doing on the field, that takes discipline. And when you're on your own in college and you got to set your own schedule. Especially in Miami. I'm t- I Listen – that's something I see because I deal with, with players from all across the, the country and what they say about there being distractions here is true. Obviously, you still have to go out there and, and look for those distractions, but when you're in Norman, Oklahoma, you're just you're it's pretty much all football all the time, right? So yeah. it's there's that is and we, we've talked about it before on on this show that that's part of what Mario is trying to do is you talk about culture and it's recruiting the right type of guys yeah look i know you love all your clients but <laughs> your clients that are these self-starting disciplined guys you don't have to worry about them showing up on time or doing these things i'm sure it makes your life a lot yeah, easier definitely, definitely. unless you focus on your job um so same thing with these coaches so yeah that's the intangible part but the tangibles on this guy are off the charts he's someone who was a basketball player played football as a freshman lost basically his, his sophomore and junior years to covid um 
had a great freshman year. He got offers, big offers, just off his freshman tape. Mm-hmm. So he was productive. Didn't play two years, not his fault, COVID. Then this year he plays like three games, has like five sacks, completely dominant. Looked like he was on pace for a monster, monster year that might propel him even higher in the rankings. Then he gets hurt, mm-hmm. a tours meniscus, he'll be fine for the season. But this is someone that I think, if he didn't get hurt, he might have been just even more of a high-profile recruit. He's still a highly ranked guy. I think he was the third highest ranked guy in Michigan's class when we stole him. But I think he's probably underrated just because he doesn't have the film. But he's not a project in terms of we're hoping this guy can become a productive player. Mm-hmm. He's been productive when he's on the field, and the tools are outstanding. Um, I think at a 4-2 something shuttle, you see him on the basketball court, the guy can move. And with six foot seven, four two shuttle, that's like Rousseau, is the combination of the the length and the change of direction, which doesn't always come together. And he can bend as well. You see him standing up and he's he's he explodes out of his stance. Um, very, very high on Collins Akiapong. Um, of those three guys we listed. He has the chance to be the one that you say, okay, this is the first round pick. You know, this is the guy, is, is him, I would say. Are you concerned at the lack of a blue chip uh, addition in the interior of the defensive line? Um, I know the, obviously they just added uh, Gore from, was it Georgia State? Yep. Um, so, I, and from what I've heard, it's, that's a good addition to the rotation for sure. He's been a productive player. Um, you know, not the, not the biggest guy in the world, but. Uh, should be able to step in and, and fill a nice role for the team next year. Um, but they didn't land a guy in this class that you expect, which in the interior D-line, it's it's few and far between that you get those guys, right? We, we've been talking about this for years and years and years, but probably unlikely that 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 anyone comes in and, and is an impact guy immediately, right? Yeah, look, they'll, they'll add two bodies at uh to add some size to replace what they lost with Miller and Jackson. They still have Moten, who they like as a, as a bigger guy. Um, but they want another defensive tackle. You want to always have those young bodies coming you in. You think they position. could add one between now and, and you know the normal signing day? Probably. At defensive tackle, I would okay. say uh, no. Okay. A, another one, no. Um, they're going to go to the portal there. They'll get a big guy. You want to have that steady rotation of these first-round type dudes, which the Georgias and the Alabamas do. So that is, uh, that is to me, the second defensive tackle in this class would be a hole. Um, but the guy they got, Joshua Horton, out of Georgia, uh, North Carolina commit that they flipped, this was an ascendant player. A lot of people in Georgia thought that Georgia should be after this guy because of the way he ascended. I think he grew. He's about 6'4", 285, 290 now. And you look at pictures of him when he was a little younger. I think he's just a recent growth spurt guy, which may be why he didn't get the hype. I mean, he's committed to North Carolina, which is a good program. But, you know, I think he jumped to another level with the growth spurt. And, you know, we had Coach Grimes on who saw the state championship game. The guy was dominant in that game. His senior film, if you have not seen Josh Horton's senior film, the defensive tackle Miami signed from Georgia, go watch it. Just go to Kansas. I write Josh Horton on the search bar. It'll pop up. He probably has the most, some of the most impressive film of this class. I mean, 110 tackles of the defensive tackle is unheard of. His team won states. Ton of sacks. Ton of tackles for loss. This guy is fluid. He's athletic. Again, he's not a heavy guy. He's really a three technique. He likes to get in there and penetrate. Um, and he's an ascendant player. There's video of him dunking the ball where he really gets up there uh, and is impressive with his ability to get off the ground. Could be one of those sleepers of the class and someone who I know they're excited about. You want two guys. I think they want another defensive tackle, but the guy they got is not some last ditch guy. This was a they identified him as a priority, and they were extremely happy to land uh, Josh Horton. Looking at the linebacker spot, this has been a position that 
has been uh, you know much maligned the last few years in terms of what has gone on recruiting wise. Um, you know, Manny neglected it in a sense. So, you know, it was a pretty highly rated class, right? And then you have some guys who aren't as highly rated, but again, some some high upside uh, in this group. We'll start with Malik Bryant, right? The, the highest rated of, of, of them all. Um, I know that was a battle with, with Florida there, um, but what's Miami getting in him? Yeah, that was. I'm surprised it ended up being so drama-free at the end. I just signed his letter of intent, no problem, no rumors, and he's in. Um, they're getting a guy who he was at IMG. He started off at Orlando Jones, a public, big public mm-hmm. school in Orlando, big competition, and he was a standout player from his freshman year. I mean, a stud as a freshman, high school freshman. Then he goes to IMG, and he's basically the leader of the defense. You know, an alpha amongst alphas there. Um, really more of that outside linebacker rusher role, but he did play some off-ball linebacker as well. He has athleticism. You saw him return interceptions for touchdowns, make guys miss, um, but hybrid. But he, what jumped out to me was the leadership, the fact that he was the guy. He was very productive. He was the guy that they looked to. Then he goes back to Orlando Jones here um, as a senior and has a very good season for them, also, you know, mostly playing off the edge. Um, the question for him is, can he make the transition? I think he was timed at 4.6 at one point, verified, which is good, good speed for his size, about 6'2", 6'3", 230. Um, so can he make that transition from off-ball linebacker or from pass rushing end slash linebacker to off-ball linebacker? We'll see. We know he can rush the passer. I think you can use him in those spots early. Right, then, but is he a guy who can play three downs? That's going to be the question. But, you know, get him on the field with that and then let his role expand. Um, he's a smart guy. He's a productive guy. And what jumps out to me again is guys that make pl- guys that get on the field early and kind of make their presence known early at different places. That tells me that they have a certain edge to them that says, "Hey, this is my spot." And that's what he did in his career. The next guy, Raul Popo Aguirre, he he had some you know Miami beat out some big schools in that one as well. Um, I know he's a highlight. You know he's a big highlight highlight guy. Big hits, flies around. I mean, is he a guy who can be in, who can be a day one? Uh, you know player of Miami yeah beat out Alabama beat out Georgia for him I mean they know what they're looking for at that position um Cuban guy from from Columbus so I think Cristobal had had something to do with that one right yeah Mirabal 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 taught his dad yeah Mirabal taught his dad so uh you know that's that's you don't see that very often I mean and he was in Georgia which is you know it's a small world right right um Watching his highlights, he's got size. He's not someone that's going to have to bulk up. I mean, he's pretty much got the body he's going to need to play linebacker. He doesn't need to put it too much weight. Um, but he's interesting because you don't have to project him too much. He played linebacker, off-ball linebacker, which is what he's going to play. You see him in coverage. He does a very nice job in coverage. You see him you know, read and react and do the tackle, do the things he needs to do. What I like about his film on top of just the size, speed, and, and ability to, you know, to, to see it, is that he also plays running back. And one thing I found, again, in my kind of going back and watching, okay, this linebacker got drafted high. What did he look like in high school? A lot of those guys were running backs. Uh, Devin White would be one of those. Uh, uh, what's the one in Georgia? Rick Roquan Smith, I think, was, Roquan, was running yep. back. Definitely Devin White. These were guys that they ran the ball. So it's like having vision as a running back, flip it. Now that's your vision as a linebacker. You know, who can see things develop? Just like as you through were as the, running through back. The, through the mess, yeah. Just on the other side. So Popo Gear, he wasn't like a super prolific running back, but they gave him the ball, particularly short yardage, and he did some things. Uh, I, I like everything about him. I think he's probably the most complete linebacker in this class. 
next guy would Bobby Washington. Another another guy that I saw, obviously, you know, him and Robbie uh, both played at Palmetto. Very excited about his projectability, kind of the role that they'll play him in because I, I don't know what he's listed at, but he looks to me like a like a legit 6'2 and a half, 6'3, 210, two, you know, 215-pound frame right now with the ability to add some some real good weight and he's and he's moving out there i mean i think special teams wise right away he's going to be uh, a guy who plays on kickoffs probably immediately um he kind of plays with a reckless abandon out there but the ceiling i think for him is very very high because from what i saw they he, he blitzed a lot off the edge they use him as a spy and they also he, he has the ability to play in coverage you know very adequately um, which again, today's linebacker, it's not the run stopping linebacker downhill guy. You've got to have the length, which he does. He's got the size to be able to cover some of these tight ends, right? And look, he's not going to be lining up with slot receivers, but in zone coverage, I think he'll be able to, to hold his own. I think he's done some of that in his career too, coming up uh, as a defensive back. I know he was with Duasso, the seven on seven. Uh, I mean, the number I heard on yeah, him, it could be like a big safety and in the box safety, really. Well, the number I heard on him as far as his 40 from people that are around them, they say he's a legit 4-4 guy. From what I see in the highlights, that doesn't seem far-fetched. You saw him live. Would you say that's, that's he, legit? He, he has pop. You know, he, he is twitch is the word that you're looking for. I think, uh, you know, I, would, I was texting you multiple times when I would go see them play, and it's like he, he just popped differently, right? Um, he, he always seemed like, even though he wasn't necessarily the, the biggest guy on the field, like obviously there were bigger linemen than him, Again, a lot like like Robbie, who he's he's a few inches bigger than and has some some weight on Robbie, but he plays with that intimidating factor on defense, um, and he flies around. I mean, he's it seems like he was always around the football. Yeah, definitely not a wrestle you down tackler. I mean, he's knocking guys right. you know, blocks off the, the sideline rap- to sideline though. The wrapping will need to come as far as the you know the fundamentals. You can't just strike guys at the college level like he does in in, in high school, but. You like to see that ability to strike because you could you could teach him the rap. Right. You can't really teach him to <laughs> knock people out like he does. Uh, so yeah, no, excited about him and he's someone that Cristobal identified particularly uh, in his press conference as an underrated player. And you know, go get a uh, one of the best posters, my boy Lenny on the, on the boards, who's been you know right on with players locally for a long time. He compared him to someone I remember watching out of high school named Daryl McClover from Coconut Creek who ended up being a very good linebacker for Miami, played for the Chicago Bears for many years. Um, same thing, 4-4 guy, played a little bit of that deep, highly productive defensive end. He had like 20 sacks or something um, as a senior, and then they, they moved him up. So a uh, lot to like with, with Bobby, and if it all comes together, he could be somebody that really rises to the top of this class. He has that kind of upside. And then you wrap up the linebacker class with a couple guys, Marcellius Pulliam and Caleb Spencer. Um, what are they getting in them too? So with Marcellius Pulliam, they wanted to, they wanted to get bigger at linebacker. Cristobal said at the press conference, that's what that was about: bigger and tougher. With him, they see somebody who is six three, two thirty. He's going to be a huge linebacker. He has speed, uh, you know, probably like a four six, four seven guy. More straight line speed than lateral speed. The, the stiffness would be my question with Pulliam. Uh, I, by the way, he's out of the Atlanta Georgia area, Sandy Creek. Um, the stiffness would be my question with him. He's not the most fluid guy in the world, but when he's in a straight line, he can go. And you can see it on the highlights, but if talking to people who have seen him playing games, they say this guy is nasty. He's borderline dirty, play to play. And linebackers, the highlights are one thing, but 
you got to watch these guys live, which like you do with Bobby. Yeah. And play to play, this is a nasty guy, a productive guy. And, you know, I would say his upside might be lower than some of these other guys we've, we've gone through. But in terms of his, what he brings to the room, you know it's going to, yeah. the size, the physicality, that goes up. Now, Kayla Spetzer, who you mentioned at linebacker, he's being recruited as a safety. He'll get a chance at safety. Who knows where he ends up? He's someone that, that Venables wanted very badly at Oklahoma. Again, these sleepers are not sleepers that we're getting from, like, you know, the like Temple. Right. These are guys we're stealing from Venables, who's been around pro after pro, first-rounder after first-rounder at Oklahoma, or formerly at Clemson, now at Oklahoma. So I mentioned Tommy Kinsler was the three-star type guy that I thought – should have been higher just based on his, what he shows. Uh, Caleb Spencer, to me, on the defensive side, I don't know why this guy's ranked what he is because you watch him. He's verified six two and a half. He's got a size to, to gain weight. Um, plays all over the defense. Someone who also played offense was a running back, which we mentioned the, the running back is a good you know, factor. This guy blocks kicks. He returns kicks. Um, and it's just his closing speed and striking ability is pretty special. And he came down to Fort Lauderdale playing one of these jamboree things. And he originally from Virginia, Kayla Spencer, but came down to Fort Lauderdale for one of these jamborees. And he had people raving with his physicality and his nose for the ball. So I think just, again, the six two and a half with that versatility and athleticism, the speed, the striking, you could see why Venables, who loves these versatile chess pieces, loves Spencer so much and was so sad to lose him. So I think that's a guy that... He's probably the least talked about player in this class. I've not heard much about him at all. Um, but I think down the road, might be saying, this is, this is a guy, assuming he keeps working and doing his thing and he finds the right role because he brings a lot of tools to the table. So Miami reloads at linebacker, much needed kind of overhaul there at that spot. And again, like at every position, they're gonna be, they'll be working uh, in the portal and trying to f- continue to flip the roster, right? It's like... We were talking before the show. I said, how many spots do you think they have? And, it, and it's like they're going to just keep trying to acquire, you know, as much talent as they think possible, guys who can help them for next year and, you know, years years moving forward, right? So looking at the cornerback spot, big pickup today in Damari Brown. Joins his brother, Devontae Brown, which, you know, we'll talk about a little bit later in the show. Um, but between him and then Robert Stafford, who also signed today, obviously we're still waiting on – Cormani McLean and and the class wouldn't be complete fully without him, right? But Stafford, top 15 guy in his position nationally, and I know the staff has been, you know, one of those guys that they think is probably better than what his rating shows, and it's still already a high rating. Um, so you you add Brown into the mix with with Stafford. Uh, what do you like about those two guys? I'll start with Stafford because I do think, you know, I mentioned Spencer and Kinsler's underrated three stars. Stafford is an underrated four star. This guy is awesome. I mean, he could be one of the best players in this class and no one talks about him. He's come from Melbourne. Um, I can't pronounce his high school. Ooh, Gallus, some French name, but he's from, he's from the Melbourne area of Florida. Um, 171 verified the last time he was measured. He's probably a little bigger than that. Wiry. He'll be five eleven and a half, six foot, one eighty five. you know, you know, basically what your NFL corner average size is, he will be that or bigger. Mm-hmm. Verified already at the four fours or the high or the low four five. So he'll be a four four guy when it's all said and done. And then a complete playmaker. You watch his film, he is taking 
passes to the house. He's returning kicks to the house. He is an extreme playmaker with the ball, which Miami's lacked at the corner position. You know, Al Blades, DJ Ivy, for all the good things they would do to Corey Couch, these are not guys that are dynamic playmakers in high school, even right. when they were the best athlete, usually on the field or one of the best athletes. This guy is that already. Um, and then the question is, how's he going to play on, on the defensive end? He, he played more defense as a senior. You watch his senior clips, which are outstanding. Again, watch him on canesinsight.com. This guy's striking people. He has that physicality. He has instincts. He's identifying things fast. He's making plays on the ball. He's able to click and close, you know, go backwards, boom, explode forward, um, find the ball in the air. Everything you want to see from a corner, he's doing that. Will it be a transition when you get to the pro uh, to the college level? Sure. Uh, Chris Graves is somebody who had a lot of these same attributes and you know took him a while to adjust. I think they expect big things if he does if he locks in and does the right things um, from him. But there was an adjustment. Maybe that'll happen for Stafford. But he's here early, and if he has the attitude, which I've heard him described as an old school cane by the coaches. If he comes in with the right attitude, uh, he's someone I think that can play right away given that he's here early and the position is wide open, and he's someone that could be a jewel of the class. Uh, Damari Brown from American Heritage committed today, uh, six over Alabama. You know, Nick Saban knows something about defensive backs. Uh, this guy is 6'2". He's grown a lot in the last year. He is a huge corner. I mean, he's going to stand out immediately with his size. And again, American Heritage defensive backs, those guys usually go to the pros. I mean between Marco Wilson, Patrick Sertan, who's the best corner in the NFL, Tyson Campbell, who's doing things every week. Uh, these guys have t- uh, Quincy Wilson, who's a second-round pick. These guys tend to pan out. Well, I guess Quincy was, uh, was U-school, but these heritage guys tend to pan out. And these pedigreed guys from that, you know, that world, it seems like they're all kind of like second-generation right. players. You know, uh, Damari's uh, dad, Selwyn Brown, played at University of Miami. It's like they're all kind of a mold. The Wilson brothers, their dad played... Sertan, his dad played, um, but Brown is in that lineage. And again, Nick Saban wanted this guy. Uh, you know, he would recruit him to the end. It's not like Nick Saban kept him warm in case someone fell off. He was yeah. trying to get him. So the pedigree in this guy's outstanding. The size is outstanding. He had a great senior year with the added size. You watch him as Jeremiah Smith and some of the receivers at Chaminade had a great game there. Went out to California, played very well, showed some nice tackling ability. Um, question with him is, you know, is he going to have the speed and athleticism to, to deal with the fastest corners? Anything, you know, what you usually worry about with these big guys. We'll see. He can always play safety. He has enough physicality and size for that. Um, but really, really like what Damari Brown brings to the table. And again, the pedigree on him is, out, is just as good as it gets. Well, we might as well talk about his brother now since we, you know, we, we talked about the, the whole family. But this is, a, this is a guy in Devontae Brown that I was told before the season, and I, and I you know, checked back on it again this, this last week when he committed back to Miami. I was told before the season this guy was or had a chance to be the best corner in the state this last year based on the film from the year before. He, he kind of had a down year. I think the physicality wasn't showing on, on film this year. They want to see him add some size in terms of what the NFL is looking for. Probably a nickel corner in the NFL, but he's, he's a guy coverage-wise um, that has a lot of ability. Again, length, right? Um, so he's going to be coming to Miami with a real opportunity. Again, before the season, you're talking about a guy who had – according to scouts, a chance to be the best cornerback in the state of Florida. That's saying a lot in this state, right? Um, so 
I'm excited to see kind of what he can do to uh, up his stock again, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a combination you like because he has experience, but he also has upside and two years of eligibility. Not as thick as his brother. Different. Right, which is what, what I was told is that he really needs to do some work in the weight room. That might be why the physicality's not there. But again, from a coverage standpoint, they really like what, what he brings to the table. And he might be a little faster yeah. than, than uh, Damari. So, yo, huge need and uh, someone who I think is going to be hungry to show what he can do and will will improve that room. Absolutely. A position that it, these guys are all going to have a huge chance to play. And one guy we did mention from the high school ranks, Antoine Jackson from yeah. D- Dillard. Kind of the polar opposite. We're talking about guys that are ready to play. This is someone who is a uh, really a junior. They're reclassified. reclassified yeah. um, Miami was happy to bring him into the program. They'll develop him there. Hopefully, now, if he's ready to play, he won't redshirt. I'm hoping he's open to a redshirt because, again, he's young. He still needs to grow. If he could take a red shirt and develop at Miami as opposed to developing at high school, it's going to help him tremendously. And he's somebody that we saw him. He has the smoothness that you want at cornerback. I don't know if any of these kids want to come in in red shirt, obviously, but it's it comes down to if, if he isn't ready, then, you know, what's his attitude going to be like and, and, and things of that nature. And it's a unique situation. Right. I mean, this, he should be a senior in high school, you know, so it's not like – Ever, he's redshirting because he's skinny. He's, he's redshirting because he should be in high school and he just skipped a year, basically. Well, I would imagine that that's part of what Miami's conversations were with him is, look, you, you may not be a, a, a starter right off the bat, but we'd much rather have you developing in our system and our program. It's going to be, you know, you, you basically get a head start on the process. And, you know, again, in today's day and age, you can still play a certain amount and, and get the redshirt, right? So he can still get some valuable experience even if he's not able to be a guy right off the bat. But, I mean, man, the upside's through the roof. Yeah, this is a guy who's committed to George. I mean, he was a big-time guy in the class of 24. Right. It's not like this is, you know, some throwaway guy in the class. He's sure. a primetime player. Um, and what I liked about – he was a little dinged up this year. I thought his sophomore film was better than his junior film. He was a little injured. But one thing I liked in the later parts of his junior film – he was playing receiver and making some outstanding plays. He's just a very coordinated, fluid athlete at six foot plus. He knows what he's doing at corner, just natural mover, you know, no stiffness to him. Um, and as he gets stronger and faster and just, you know, more college ready, um, I see him as a corner. They're talking about safety or corner. I look to me, corner, that's what I've told he's going to play, at least initially. Um, they like him there. He's someone who could be could be real exciting, and again, that room just needs talent, especially right. when you lose a Kamari Rogers, who was a big signing last year. Um, you need to infuse that room with talent, and I think all of these guys, and then potentially more, who will be the topic of conversation for the yeah. next day, uh, that's going to change the room uh, in, in a tremendous way. Yeah, I mean, listen, it would it would be we would be foolish to say it wouldn't be a disappointment if, if McLean ends up going elsewhere, right? I mean, he's a guy you expect to be a starter uh, right off the bat. So that would be a loss. But like you said, it doesn't seem like there's, they're hitting the panic button uh, just yet. But it is, it is the wonderful game of uh, recruiting, right? So who, who knows what happens in the next, you know, 12 hours in the time that this, you know, we're recording this and, and you know, it, it gets posted. But um, – yeah, am I missing anyone? Or they picked up the punter today. Yeah, yeah. What's his uh, Dylan? I sh- should have Hold his on name. A Let me pull this is the up. first time yeah. I've seen his name, and I've been following this stuff closer than anybody. This was Dylan a- Joyce. Dylan Joyce. So yeah, look, they're saying he's another Lou Headley. I'll take another Lou Headley. How old is he? We'll find out. He looks pretty <laughs> old. I don't know what his tat situation is. 
Um, but uh, Headley was awesome. B- uh, beloved. Can Kane. we get another year out of him? Yeah. You saw the tight end at or at at Oregon getting his. He was granted a ninth year of eligibility. Well, from what I heard about his party, you know, style, he might want to stay another year. You know. Yeah, but, I mean, listen. Let's see. Uh, it, it, I don't know if it's gonna get much better in the pros than than it did here for him. But yeah, but that we, you, he was a great, a huge. We took it for granted how good yeah. that guy was. Um, so hopefully this guy just keeps the lineage going um, with the Aussie style punting. But that's an important piece. Miami special teams was pretty good last year. One of the only bright spots of the team, and punting was definitely a huge part of that. Um, but you talked about recruiting being a funny game. R- really, recruiting now is about the portal. So you know. You say you don't follow recruiting as much it's at high free, school. It's this is all it's all tied in. It's all the same thing now. But you you know you don't follow high school like you did when you were younger. Now you're focused on college kids and talking yeah. to scouts about college kids. So when it comes to these portal kids, you have intel on some of them. Yeah. You, you mentioned Devontae Brown. Um, you know Thomas Score. I know you know a little bit about him. The, the defense attacker from Georgia State, six foot two seventy. Maybe not the dimensions that N- uh, not NFL necessarily wants. you know a high NFL draft pick type, but. Very, very productive, um, stout in the run game. Um, and again, you're, you're looking for experienced bodies on this in the interior of the D-line, guys who can bring some consistency, right? Because you know what Leonard Taylor, Taylor can be, right? But you need to see that consistency from him. And I, I think getting, you know, more veteran leadership around him is always, you know, can, can only help. Right. Yeah, this guy's got a reputation as just being a fire starter. Right. Uh, Akeem Mesador does not have the prototypical defensive end dimensions, but he brings a certain attitude to that position. Gore gives you some of that and more of a complimentary role. Um, you know, someone Miami landed today, uh, Francisco Mauagoa. This has been in the works for a long time, obviously. Uh, the linebacker from Washington State. Chris Wall mentioned in his press conference that this was a top three linebacker on pro football focus in, in Pac-12. You really don't hear coaches talk about right. pro football focus that much. That was interesting. But he, you know, he brings he met, some good size to the position, though. Huge. And and if you watch, if you want to see what uh, Francisco Malgo is all about, this is, again, the brother of Francis Malgo, the, the elite offensive lineman, uh, both from American Samoa. Watch his interception return against Oregon. Oregon, top 10 team at the time. Francisco Mauagoa takes a pick about 98 yards, makes a couple guys miss, and houses it at 6'2", you know, big. This guy's athletic. He was a high school quarterback. He's, he's, he gives you the size and physicality you want, but he also is an athlete. Again, a high school quarterback, still learning the, the linebacker position, graded out well in coverage. Had sacks, had tackles for loss, really, a, you know, did a lot of different things. And with Corey Flagg a little banged up, huge opportunity for, for Francisco to kind of take control in spring of that linebacker, middle linebacker position. But if you guys haven't seen it, look up on Twitter. The Malagoa brothers did a video yeah. of them. You saw that? I saw it, yeah. Just like fire dancing and stuff. Yeah. So, you know. Joe Salavea was was, uh, was was posting all over the place. Obviously, he had a big, big role in that. I mean, it was awesome. I mean, we got the bloodline. We got the Usos. We got the, the Samoan critical mass. You know, you can't just take a Samoan here, Samoan there. You got to build... Uh, a, a community, a, a community, really yeah. within Miami, and those two are exactly what you want. You're talking about both will be here in spring, and I'd be surpri- I would be surprised if you were not talking about a starter and leader on defense and a young starter and leader on offense with Matt with Francis. So you know, talk about changing the culture. Samoans only have because of football. Samoans have a very specific culture, and that is they play extremely hard. They play extremely physical. Not a lot of extra stuff, mm-hmm. just knocking you out. I mean, they play 
you know, eight on eight over there. They're, 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 not, they're not throwing the ball all over the yard, although they have some quarterbacks now, but they're physical. Um, so, and, I, and listen, adding, adding a, a guy like Francisco Malgo, I, it's, it's very big. We, we, we use the word culture, and it's, and it's overused, right? But I just, I, I hear story, I heard I've heard sto- so many stories from the Canes that, that were in the golden era, right? And there was, a, there was a turnover, right, from a lot of guys who were still on, on that roster from Shannon to, to Golden. And there was a lot of pushback from stuff that was going on, what Golden was trying to implement. Obviously, what he was trying to do was not, he didn't, you know, have the, uh, you always talk about how he just, he wasn't able to get the message across to these guys the yeah, right the way, right? Yeah. But a lot of those guys that were brought in by the Shannon staff were very resistant. And then what happened is it seeped into the guys that Golden brought in. So no one believed off the bat. I think what you have now with the transfer portal is you're clearing house pretty much completely with anyone who may be saying, man, you know, I was here last year. This thing wasn't, it, this this thing's not what it needs to be. To already kind of getting into the mind of some of these these guys. You're bringing in not only, you know, talented players, but players who were captains and leaders at other programs, right? Who are going to come in and look, you're going to have the leaders still here, the Cam Kitchens of the world, the, the Xavier Restrepo's, right? But I think you're going to be able to find a good medium where these guys can come in from other programs. And look, not everyone's coming from great situations either. It's not like we're, you know, bringing in guys, uh, but from, from uh, the the undefeated teams every year, but you're bringing in a, a Javion Cohen from, from an Alabama. You're going to tell me he doesn't know what it's supposed to look like. And I don't think there's going to be as much pushback from guys on the team when someone like him speaks up and says, look, I understand this, what it was like last year, but it's different this year because you're able to kind of weed out a lot of players, right. That maybe weren't buying in that culture ship shift can happen a lot quicker um, than people may may realize. Yeah, and Javion Cohen, you mentioned that the he was a starting guard at Alabama, freshman All SEC, so to play as a freshman at Alabama, and then he kept his job. He's only, you know, it's not like he got pushed out or something like that. They he would have been the starter this year for Alabama and a, and a key, you know, basically a, a leader type guy on that on that roster. Um, he was part of the team that kicked Miami's butt, you know, uh, a couple of years ago. He was on the field just pushing guys around. How do you end up here? I don't know. You know, I mean, some guys just listen. Some guys want to change the scenery from from Nick Saban. That's that's as as, as simple as, as what it is sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I saw him on Instagram with his girlfriend. He kind of outkicked his coverage there. I know the feeling. I followed my girlfriend around. <laughs> you know, you tell me where to go, I'll go. Uh, so maybe there's some of that going on. But we're happy he's here, and uh, he's someone that's going to solidify that line. Uh, in terms of being an interior guy, we were undersized there with the Justice Alawasayans. Um, you know uh, who else do we have at, at guard? Um, Jonathan Dennis was a was a center, but again, these you just had a lot of uh, Logan Sagapolo, a lot, a lot of, of six two guards. Right, you were you were limited there, and then you had guys playing. You know, some guys who really should be centers primarily playing playing guard and. It was, yeah, not a good situation. You just didn't have the bodies at all. Yeah, this guy's a guard that looks like a, a, a Alabama guard because that's what he was, right? Then you get Ness Cooper who looks like that, a Jalen Rivers who looks like that. Yeah, now you have some depth. Someone gets hurt, you, you got options there. So uh, Miami is slowly starting to change the way this team looks. And 
Now it's up to the coaches to do a better job than they did last year and figure that aspect out. But, you know, it's the recruiting hasn't even stopped. They're going to continue developing this roster and adding on the portal. You know, we'll talk about, we got plenty of time to talk about that. Chris Hall mentioned outside receiver, a defensive tackle. We, we have been talking and about there's that. There's some the good, bank. listen, there's some good guys in the portal. I know we'll get into it as, you know, the picture starts to become more clear of who they're going after. And I'll have, you know, more insight on that. But, um, there's some good, there's some real good talent out there. It's like, we talked about it about a month ago. I want to say I th- I, they need to be more aggressive early in the portal this year. And I think fr- from what I understand, they already are. And some of these guys that they are, you know, feeling good about, they can't necessarily, uh, some of these guys can't get here until May anyways. So, so it's not like they'll be able to be here for, for spring, um, because they may be graduating at their, at their school or whatnot. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens over the next few weeks because they're going to want to work early and, and often now. Yeah, no, it's uh, the recruiting never stops, man. It's uh, and look, the fact that it's year round recruiting now, who does that help? The team that has a coach that doesn't stop recruiting ever. So I think the portal is only going to help get a better feel for it. And uh, it's shifting gears, man. It's going to be plenty of talk about here on Kane's insight. It'll be fun. Yep. Well, it was a great recruiting class for the Canes. Obviously, Still waiting for that last uh, cherry on top in Cormani McLean. Hopefully we'll have some clarity in that. Uh, I know there's some reports already floating out there. Hopefully in the next 24 hours or so we'll have, uh, have a final answer there. But until then, Canes fans will be on pins and needles there. Hey, Canes inside. Keep, keep refreshing. We love it. You would Listen, it, it's signing day. You wouldn't have it any other way, right? Absolutely. All right. We'll be back next week for another edition of the show. Hopefully uh, Cormani McLean is a hurricane by then. See you guys next week.